What's up, everybody? Welcome to Leaders of Lifestyle, a podcast all about real estate, sports, and entertainment. Take a deep dive with me into the world of high-end lifestyle and get exposed to the different leaders behind the scenes of it all. So let's get right into it. Don Bajari started in the construction industry in 2001, working for a production builder in Brooklyn, New York. Several years later, he branched out and started building his own homes throughout Brooklyn and Queens. John believes that building and designing are intricately intertwined. His love for construction science combined with his constant research of new methods and innovative technology are essential during the architectural design phase where input on the construction and layout of the project are the most effective. John has since created a portfolio of some of the most amazing properties you will see. Welcome everybody back to another episode of Leaders of Lifestyle Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ferraro, and today we have a great guest with us. John, thank you so much for being on with us today. You're very welcome. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year to you and to your family. Uh, I know you're a busy guy and I appreciate your time coming on with us and giving us all the insight that I know you're going to bring. And I know my, my audience is going to be very excited to hear from an actual luxury builder, especially someone who does as many standout properties as you. But I always ask my guests when we come on, whether they're in real estate or marketing or wherever avenue they're coming in from, how they're doing in their business. So specifically with you in your area and your market in the time of crazy COVID, how's it all been with you? It's been pretty crazy. Um, gotta be honest with you. Uh, we've seen a major influx um, in a good way and in a bad way because sometimes you get a little bit more than you can handle, but it's given us the opportunity to kind of pick and choose the projects we want to be part of these days. Um, whereas in the past, you used to pretty much take on everything, but now we're at a point where we can really, you know, dial in on the type of customer we want to work with and the type of project we want to work on. So have you seen obviously the demand for the new builds or the custom builds just skyrocket and, and your demand for yourself has business really picked up a ton? For sure. I mean, at the beginning of COVID, everybody was escaping Manhattan. And where we're located in Long Island, we are one of the closest luxury neighborhoods, you know, suburb neighborhoods, I should say, in Long Island to Manhattan. So in Great Neck, where we are, we have a direct train to Penn Station, which is, you know, less than 20 minutes. So we had a lot of people moving to this town and the surrounding towns, especially. So the market here just went nuts overnight. So... Let's jump into, because um, I want to get into a lot of the X's and O's when it comes to what you do um, that separates you from everybody else in the industry and what makes your stuff stand out because people are really interested in that right now as you know anybody modern, home designs, things like that. But let's talk about you yourself and where you kind of started in the business because I think so much of stuff like a builder is in how they, were, how they came up, what inspired them, what did they learn from? that they brought into their career and what they do on a daily basis. So you've been in, in this line of work for a while, but let's talk a little about where did this all start? So it started in 2001, pretty much right after 9-11. I went to work for a very big production builder in Brooklyn. Um, literally started building homes that had a value of $250,000. And from there, we, we did a bunch of projects together. I was his right-hand man. And, you know, we slowly moved up to areas in Queens where we were doing million-dollar projects. 
And then it really just blew up from there. You know, we started getting phone calls from the recognition we got on our Queens projects from Long Island customers. Um, I think, you know, the, the difference between starting out like that is you're really learning the nitty gritty of what's involved. You know, a lot of people jump into this business and they think there's some sort of prestige behind it. Like, oh, I want to go build luxury homes. Um, until you've really been there, you know, in the trenches, you know, working on the little stuff and really working your way up, there's really nowhere, no way to, you know, get involved in one of these projects, not really seeing how it all starts. You know, I, I, I always use that term, you know, starting from the bottom of the ladder. You, you have to really know how to, how to sweep the street, how to clean the job sites, really understand how, you know, these job sites should be ran, you know, so we're, we're very big on, you know, handling all aspects of the project. Um, what we do is a little bit different. We're really involved from day one. We like to be involved from day one. It doesn't always happen, but majority of the time, that's what we do. Uh, we can really control budgets better that way because sometimes when customers go and hire an architect without a builder involved, it's very easy for an architect to draw a plan that is, you know, a lot higher than a customer's budget because they're not taking into account, you know, what things actually cost. You know, if there's a structural budget in mind, you know, I could move a wall a foot this way or that way and save a customer tens of thousands of dollars in steel. You know, whereas, you know, the architects, they're just going to design all day long. So they don't really take design into consideration. You know, what, what we are very good at is value engineering design without sacrificing quality and design. How has be doing this in your business with COVID and material cost and labor and all that stuff, how, how, do, you, how do you maintain that in, in where it's, so, it's fluctuating? Jobs can change, right? I mean, it, all that stuff Absolutely. changes. You know, we have jobs where we created preliminary budgets, you know, 12 months ago, and those numbers are all out the door. So, you know, we've been letting everybody know this is what's going on. We're very upfront with everybody. You know, I'm very realistic when it comes to numbers. I never like to get into bed with people, you know, and be in a situation where they say, hey, your house is going to cost, you know, $100 to build. Um, and then the house ends up costing $150 to build. You know, the guy may not have the funds to complete the project. You know, I'm, I don't like to talk about other people in the industry, but a lot of people will yes a customer to death. And by the time they're in the middle of the project, they have no choice but to finish the project. You know, we really don't like to do that because, you know, our reputation really relies on it. You know, we can't be the guy that tells a customer what they want to hear. And then at the end of the job, the customer comes back and says, well, that's not what you told me from the beginning. Right. We actually lose a lot of projects due to that. Yeah. Um, but what we're doing, you know, when it comes to all these COVID-related delays and price increases, um, you know, we're ordering things way in advance. So we, for example, order kitchen appliances before we even start the project because kitchen appliances have a one-year back order right now. Um, but like I said earlier, you know, we're very good at value engineering a design of a house. Um, you know, we can, your client can show me a picture of a bathroom. Um, and originally we had it budgeted 
but post-COVID prices are so expensive. We can recreate that look um, by maybe using porcelain tiles or other manufacturers, other suppliers, and really, you know, kind of dial in, you know, what they're looking for. Yeah. So I have so many questions. Um, in your business, because you're doing luxury homes, there's an attention to detail, but there's also so much going on. How do you, are you more uh, of a person who's administrating and watching over a lot of it at this point? Or are you still running, doing the job site every day, hammering nails, working at that as that aspect? Well, I don't, I don't pick up any tools, but you know, I do have project managers, but nobody can see the way I'm, I'm looking at the project. Cause I'm always looking 10, 15, 20 steps ahead. So I can see an issue before it even happens. And I, you know, that goes back to what I was saying earlier about, you know, starting from the bottom of the ladder, you know, and really understanding, you know, how mechanicals work, how plumbing works and knowing that, Hey, if the, if, if the HVAC guy runs duct work in these areas and we have to box these things out, these are going to affect, you know, the molding layout that the client wants to do, you know, six months from now. So you really have to be able to look ahead. Um, I do rely a lot on my team. I, you know, I do. I, I love my team. I have an excellent team that we've built. Um, they're great. They're amazing. But you know, they—they're not interacting with the client as much as I am. They're not interacting with the architect as much as I am. So there's things that are happening in real time or in conversations that I know about that may not be on the drawings. You know, that only I would know. So I, I have to go and see the projects. You know, weekly. And the other thing that I do is I always tell my project managers and my subcontractors, I say, send me pictures, send me videos, because I could look at pictures and videos and spot things out that they're not even seeing. Right. And, and that just comes from all your years of, of doing this. It's and all experience. Yeah. And I'm, and I, long, I learn every day. And how long have you been in the, in the business? Um, since 2001. So, okay. so, we're 20 years. so that's when it, that's when it was started. So it's so a 21 years. Yeah. That's awesome. And did you always want to do this or did you have something else in mind 20 years ago? Um, I definitely had something in mind 20 years ago. Um, but you know, when I started doing this, I really had a passion for it and you know, I got a little bit geeky and nerdy about it because there really is a science behind it as well. Um, as soon as YouTube came out, you know, I was, you know, obsessively watching YouTube videos of other builders from around the world and the country and learning their techniques and picking things up. So, I mean, I, I give a lot of credit to YouTube. YouTube, when it comes to construction, you know, construction science and the latest and greatest materials and methods and how people build in different parts of the country, are, you know, completely different than what we do here in New York. But you can pick things up from that and incorporate them into what we're doing every day. That was the first how-to. YouTube is was the first. Yeah. A lot of careers got started with people watching YouTube in the last 20 years, for sure. Exactly. Absolutely. Well, yeah. thank God they did because you, you create such a great product for, for people and you do an amazing job. Yeah, and it, um, also, you know, it also helps me educate my customers because you know when someone's spending this amount of money, you know, it's, it's the largest purchase they've ever made in their life. So, you know, it's like a guy going into a dealership and buying a car, you know, he wants to know, 
how the radio works, you know, how does the air conditioning work, you know, yeah. and what are my options, you know, explain all these different options to me. What am I getting if I choose this option? So being able to, you know, articulate that to them and explain that to them is, yeah. is really helpful. So let's say I, I, um, I come to you, I'm your typical client, right? Um, and I come to you, uh, obviously, I probably have seen the amazing work that you've done. I have heard of your name. I mean, this is business is all about referrals, especially when you're in the high end and you're a builder. Yes. That's a very select amount of people that are going to allow this thing, this project to be done by a certain person. So they would come to you. Do most people that you meet and that you work with, because I'm, I'm guessing you're doing, this is mainly custom, not speculative home. You're doing right. customs. Um, and when you're doing that, are, are these people that you're meeting first timers doing this? Or do you find there's a lot of people, oh, I've done this before, you know, I, I that are less kind of into the weeds with you or do more people like break this down? Step one, how do we figure out a price? Like how do the, how does it yeah. mainly go? I mean, you? it's 50, 50, you know, at, at this level, you know, a lot of the clients are not coming out of, you know, their starter home. Um, and there's 50% that are, you know, they're younger couples they are moving from Manhattan. They lived in an apartment their whole life, you know? So yeah, you really need to explain to them the whole process of how it works, you know, from, Hiring a surveyor and doing soil testing and, you know, some people come in and like, why do I need a surveyor? You know, why do I need to test yeah. the soil? You know, you got to explain all that to them. So yeah, there are, it, it really is 50, 50. And then do you base, do you basically, um, I always found this fascinating because the job is so massive, right? There's so many moving parts between whether it's even the original, like the designing part of the architectural part or the permitting part or even the foundational part and even forgetting all the fixtures and what you're going to actually put into there and the detail of it and um, the, the mechanicals. When you're first having that conversation with somebody and they're maybe looking and they're saying, you know what, should we wait on buying a property if it comes down and doing kind of fixer upper or do we want to buy a new construction and wait till this is done and, or, or, have, or have John build us a custom home? Are you advising people first kind of like this is the ballpark number based on price per square foot off of cost? Is that kind of how you're budgeting with people? Because I would guess that's question sure. comes up a lot. How much is it going to cost me? Yeah, I mean, you know, I always get the question. So I'm looking at this property, you know, what's it going to cost me to build a new house? Well, what kind of house? You know, oh, a modern house. Uh, how big of a house? You know, does it have a swimming pool? You know, what kind of uh, bathrooms do you want to do? What kind of kitchen do you want to do? You can buy kitchen appliances for 30000 or we can buy kitchen appliances for 130000 So, you know, I do give them the starting point. You know, I think now in a post-COVID world, you really can't build anything for less than 300 or $350 a square foot at the level we're building. Our average homes are probably five, 600 a square foot. And we also do $1,000 square foot homes. Um, but, you know, I always tell people we can cater to what they're looking for. I have people that come in and say, hey, I cannot spend, I'll use round numbers. I can't spend more than a million dollars. What can I get? Um, we'll reverse engineer a budget based on that million dollars. So they'll tell me, hey, I want to do a 5,000 square foot home. I want to do a, spend a million dollars. So we'll know on a 5,000 square foot house and a million dollar budget, the fixed costs, like the electrician is going to be X, the HVAC is X, the plumber's X, the foundation's X. So now we're left with X. How can we spread that out? So we'll spread that out based on, you know, 
X amount for cabinetry, X amount for plumbing fixtures, X amount for tiles. You know, this is what you know. This is what you can spend up to on these numbers, uh, on these line items, I should say. And if you go over, you know, this number, you already know that you're you're exceeding your one million dollar budget. You know, it's really it can keep it helps keep a customer in track. Um, it's very 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 important to have a very detailed budget. Without that. There's no way to keep track of it. And, um, you know, we've put a lot of systems in place, punch lists, checklists. And unless you're organized at this level, like you said, there's so many moving parts. It's impossible to, to keep track of everything. Yeah. Do you, do you find there's people that just go with you and be like, hey, listen, John, can you give me a ballpark? What's this ballpark? And, and do you sometimes are like, I can't, like, I get people who give me like, what do you think this is worth? They tell me what this is worth. And it's almost a trap sometimes. And I'm like, no, I can't, I'm not just going to give you this number right now, uh, off the top of my head, you know, cause I mean, Bill, I mean, there's so, like you just said, there's so much that goes into that. Exactly. I'll flip the, the question back to them. You know, I'll say, well, what do you think it's worth? You know, what do you want to spend? What do you think you can build this house for? And I'll tell you if it's possible or not. Right. You know, until we really sit down with an architect and, and, and look at some inspiration photos. You know, I need yeah. the client to show me inspiration photos of what they're trying to build so I can tell them, hey, yeah, it's doable. You know, you're, you're, we're both, you're, you're on my planet or you're on another planet. How many people just like, John, just build me your house? Just what you did. Um, just, I want your house. I would say, I wouldn't say my house, but I would say, I, you know, I would say 20 to 30% of my clients will be like, you know, here's my checkbook. Not, a, not exactly, but you know, just, I trust you. You know, this yeah. is the look we're going for. We completely trust you and your team. Um, just don't pass this number. And this is kind of what we're expecting. Go for it. And honestly, those are the best jobs we've had. Not because it's easier for me, but the outcome is a lot better. Um, yeah. You know, the, the customers who really try to micromanage, um, those jobs are, you know, they're hit or miss. Some are really good at it and just some, you know, over micromanage and they become their own worst enemy. Job takes longer, job even comes, you know, goes over budget. Um, you know, there's all sorts of clients. I would think the indecisive client that's like, we went with this, you ordered it, then they're like, no, we changed our mind, we want this. That must be like... That's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> oh my because though you know the thing that you know they're, they're changing you know the minimus things you know like they pick a white tile and then they want a different white tile i'm like guys at the end of the day it's going to look the same you know if you would have never seen this the one you're, you've already installed looks just as great you know it's yeah. personal opinion because they'll ask me right. and i'll be like look they both look right 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 but so i can't argue with them because look this is I don't want to say they're life savings, but like I was saying before, it's, it's the biggest purchase of someone's life. You right. know, what, what really is more expensive than this? Right. Exactly. So, How do you, um, so I, I love the way that your properties look. I love what you've been able to do. That style is very much my style. I love the feeling of like, there's a grandeur. There's definitely lux to your builds. Um, but there's also a modern flair to them. It's great. Um, 
how do you truly make it a one of a kind? Because you're getting all these instructions and you're getting all this, like, this is exactly, you know, these are the materials that so everyone wanted to do it. How do you make it a one of a kind when then somebody can look at that and go, I know that's, that's definitely John's work. Well, we definitely throw the word timeless around a lot. And, um, you know, we, tr we will take the fads into consideration. You know, like everybody wanted a white kitchen, you know, in the past years, like, you know, white kitchens are it. But, you know, we'll sit down and say, okay, how can we take this white kitchen and elevate it while it's still being timeless? You know, it's not going to be, you know, played out in five, six, seven, eight years from now. Um, so, you know, that, that's one of the major things is, you know, we got to make sure that it looks good today and it looks good, you know, 10, 15 years from now. Um, I'm pushing transitional. You know, if someone comes to me and they want to do super traditional, I push a little bit of transitional in there. Uh, I think everything's kind of shifting now to, to go more modern. I feel like Miami and L.A., you know, they're, they're ahead of us in this, especially L.A. I think New York's just kind of catching up to that again now. We were New York was very big on contemporary modern in the 80s and that, you know, went away. Um, and everything went traditional and now it's kind of coming back again. Um, yeah. so, you know, I love the internet, you know, um, I'm, I'm not going to sit there and say everything we do is original because it's not, you know, we are designers. We do consider ourselves architectural designers. Um, but I feel like every designer kind of lifts ideas from other designers, you know, and other inspirations. So mm. it's how can we take, a client's vision and expand on it with our vision, you know, and kind of get it to where they want it to be and where we want it to be. Is there anything that you're seeing out there right now that you just love? I mean, I could see, again, I, you're, when, and I'll overlay this so people can see this on your website, you have a great portfolio of properties. One of them is your own home. And I love how, and your own home, how it was designed. I also love the use of space and how much land you've used and size of your house is perfect. But then also inside your interior design's got this got a got a really cool color palette and pops of color in with the scale of your room. Because so not every push, room is cookie cutter. Yeah, we definitely push on design. Like we tell people don't be scared. You know, you can push the limits. When it you know, when it comes to the transitional homes, you can definitely play with color. Listen, at the end of the day it's paint. So if you don't like it, to change room color from one to another down the road in a few years from now, it's not a big deal. Um, right. So, yeah, I mean, we definitely encourage our clients and try to push them, you know, out of their comfort zone a little bit when it comes to design. Um, but, you know, things are always changing. You know, I did my house like five, six years ago. If I were to do another house, you know, I want to go super modern, you know. So you would go, so you would go like super modern, like LA Hamptons? Pretty much, you know, I'm, I'm a big believer in these days, at least, you know, my taste is always changing as well. I, I think less is more. I think that these days, you know, the furniture, the art, the light fixtures, the rugs, the window treatments, you know, and the cabinetry are really the star of the show. You don't need so many moldings. You don't need such intricate tile patterns you don't need to do that you know when there's so many beautiful things available that are like art pieces 
you know, they're so you're talking more like a minimalistic, like yeah. a minimalistic design. Yeah. You know, I, I always say it's like an art gallery. You walk into an art gallery, everything is white, you know, why? Yeah. Because they want the art to pop out. So I always tell people, look, don't blow your budget with me because it's not just building a house. You know, the homes that we build can cost half a million to a million dollars to furnish. So you can't forget about that part of your budget. So why don't we do less moldings? Why don't we go a little bit less crazy, you know, and, and, and you save your money, spend it with an interior designer on your furniture. Because I think right. that's the real package. It's not just the actual house. Do you have a do you have a sweet spot in your uh, square footage and price that somebody who's that your majority of clients are spending on a home? Or can you share that? What like? Yeah, I think the average good product is. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the average good product is between three seventy five and you know four fifty somewhere in there. You know, price it really depends on the size of the property and the size of the house and you know the bells and whistles. You know. And what are you, what are you finding is that is the, in your area again, because there's different lots of land, but the majority of the people that are building the properties that you're working with, what are the square footage sizes that they're building on those? I lots? think the average family size around us is, you know, husband and wife and two to three kids, sometimes four and you know, a nanny. So you're looking at 6,000 to 7,000 square feet is kind of the sweet mm -hmm. spot. Um, mm -hmm. and then the, you know, of course there's people who always want bigger, 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 you know, and I'm right. like, nah, you know, you really don't need it. You know, instead of doing 8,000, let's do 7,000, you know, think about like a jewel box, you know, let's, we, we can maximize every square inch of this house and get you exactly what you need, you know, and instead of spending 8,000, you know, square feet of money, let's spend 7,000 square feet of money and do a better job. Right. Right. So what would you say, um, you know, again, l your favorite part of the process, like the stuff that still jacks you up about doing this after 21 years and doing what you're doing, um, that still just makes you the most excited about working with a client and what you do every day. Well, the best part about it is when they move in, you know, <laughs> and the, you know, and the check done, you know? <laughs> I, I always tell people, you know, like, that, that first morning when you wake up in your new house and you walk downstairs to your kitchen and you look around, it's like drugs, you know? It's like a, it's yeah. like a natural high. This is mine. Yeah. yeah. But, um, you know, I, I would say the favorite process is still the, um, the design process, you know, doing the drawings, doing the blueprints, you know? I think that's, you know, a really creative process when, you know, I, I, I kind of say that for nighttime now when I'm laying in my bed with my iPad and, you know, and, and drawing my iPad and, you know, my phone's not ringing, my emails are not coming through and like I can actually think clearly and it, it's fun, you know, it's fun designing a house and trying to design something different every single time. That's, yeah. that's the challenge. The so you so a lot of what you do. What was that? I'm sorry. I said the cookie cutter homes are not fun. No, no. So how much, I mean, there's a lot of what you do that's, that's just creative. That's a creative mind thinking outside the box. How do we take kind of their vision, but then pull it into something that they're going to go, this is insane. Absolutely. That was perfect. That's exactly what yeah. I wanted. I mean, that's, that's a lot of creativity and that's the outlet of it compared to, 
some of maybe the analytical, the spreadsheets, the the actual numbers that are designed, and then the the daily on the job. So you like you like that beginning. You like it all, but you like that beginning part where you're just able course, to create yeah. The numbers part of it is not that fun. You know, the, the spreadsheets and the budgets and, you know, thank God I have a, a great staff behind me that handles most of that. Of course, I have to make the initial deals between the subcontractors and the homeowners. Um, but once you kind of get that out of the way, you know, it's, it's a well-oiled machine. Things run smoothly. Um, but yeah, the creative process is the most, most fun part of it. So I read in your bio, you talked about um, construction science and things yeah. like that. Talk a little bit about what that is. So a lot of people forget about, you know, what goes on behind the walls. You know, people only think about what they're going to end up seeing, you know, and there's so much more to it. You know, insulation, you know, how do we get this house to be more energy efficient? How do we get the air quality, you know, to be comfortable and better? You know, these days, the technology is amazing when it comes to air recirculation, what they call ERVs and, you know, bringing in fresh air and taking out the dead air and humidity control. Um, all of the smart home stuff, of course, and technology behind that. Um, all the radiant heat, you know, techniques that we do. Um, ways to soundproof so you're not hearing people walking upstairs and also, how to build a house without it having, you know, too much settling or how do we, how do we manage water? You know, water is enemy number one, getting leaks. You know, I don't want to get callbacks. A lot of these houses, you have, you know, millions of dollars of finishes inside the house, millions of dollars of furniture and art. You know, one leak, you know, can ruin everything and ruin your reputation. So what products should we use? What techniques should we use? in order to try to avoid these things. And it's always going to happen. I don't care who you are, you know, anyone out there saying like, my homes don't have leaks, you know, full of BS. You know, I don't, you know, the best developers in the country, in the world, they have issues. Things will happen in construction. It's inevitable. It's just, it's unavoidable. But we do everything we can to try to minimize that. Yeah. And, and again, your reputation speaks for itself. Um, I'm pumped to get to see some of these properties, get to see your home one day when the weather clears Absolutely. up. I, I can't so pumped to do it. Absolutely. Um, so, so much of what we do every single day and the peers in our group, whether it's builders, you know, builders and developers, interior designers, mortgage people, yep. um, real estate, we're all talking about the same thing. This is a crazy time. Property values are going up. The inventory is absolutely at no, nothing. Uh, there's almost nothing to find. Everybody wants a new product. There's new people coming into the market that were never here before. Interest rates are still low. So where do you see, obviously, your business going in the next year to two years with everything? Everybody's got their prediction. I'd love to hear yours. I mean, I personally think that we're going to continue to have low inventory. I don't think it's possible for people to build enough homes for the people that really want them right now. Um, I don't think we're going to get flooded with foreclosures and everything like that. So land is still going to be what it's going to be. And, um, but where do you see everything going? Look, on a high level, I think the real estate in market in general is always going to have its ups and downs. Um, on the high-end homes, you know, history has shown us that um, 
sounds stupid, but you know, the rich are always rich. You know, in in two thousand and eight, <laughs> you know, in, in two thousand and eight, in the you know biggest crash we've ever had, um, a couple of the high end, you know, areas in Long Island, they had more building permit applications than ever. You know, which was shocking to hear. It's like, wait a second, the whole world is going under, and you guys have applications for 30 new houses in this neighborhood. How is that even possible? Right. right. You know? um, I do think things will normalize a little bit in a year from now. I think we're good for another year. You know, are people going to buy 40, 50 million dollar homes in the Hamptons like they're going out of style like they are today? I don't know. You know, that, that I really don't know. Um, that's hard to say. Um, yeah. You know, I, I think COVID's getting, you know, coming to be, you know, a little bit under control now. Um, but I, I think we're we're good for a while. You know, I always talk about other markets also. Like, look at the watch market. Look at the car market. You know, you can't even buy a car. to go buy a car. Forget it. Forget yeah. it. I had a lease. My, my, the car that me and my wife had, we got it in 2018. It was, uh, we just leased it. We had a certain payment. So we go to the same dealership and we just said, okay, we, we'd like to get the new version of this car. And they were like, no problem. They slid the paper and it was literally double and then some of what we currently yeah. pay. And I said, how in three years did it double? They're like, that's just what it is now. Yeah. That's it's crazy. And I try to find a used car. Yeah. And I think people have got a taste for it too. Uh, I think people are taking advantage, you know, I don't understand why lumber prices are the way they are. You know, that I think is a joke. Um, they're still cutting the same amount of trees down. Uh, you know, I think it's come down, thank God, a little bit. But now that they see people can pay it, I think they're going to, you know, keep it up as much as they can, you know, and take advantage. This is, this is a great point what you just said, because when a lot of this stuff was happening and I work with builders in my area and, and we were talking about materials uh, and they were, Oh, the supply chain issue. We, you know, they, they, they can't get people to work to make a lot of this stuff. They can't get it shipped over. So we don't have enough of it. And there's not, a... and they were talking about the current price and they said, well, everything will come down. And um, I said, yeah, but how much do you think it's going to come down? They've already gotten a taste for that material and they yeah. know people are paying it. How, how, when's the last time you saw a lot of materials, goods, service, anything, goods, products come down a lot? Like, I mean, they don't, once they hit something, it's, you know, we're never going back to 10 cents on milk. Nails are never going to be a penny. You know, it can happen yeah, that way. It's not going to happen, you know? And I, I think, you know, just talking about the cars and the watches, you know, it's the same thing, you know, um, I think that all these companies are going to increase their prices. I think they're going to lower production or lower their, you know, work staff, you know, because, you know, Mercedes Benz does not have to give their dealership any more incentives anymore. You know, so, That's right. you know, they can sell the, they know that Mercedes is selling the cars at full price. It's not over asking. So it's like, Hey, why, why do we need to give them any discounts anymore? So, you know, we can make, less cars, which means we can have less staff and we can make the same amount of money. Yeah. Right. And we're in an inflationary period where if you're in trades, goods and services, yeah, it's inflation. It's crazy. You know, that's what, that's, that's what happens. And a lot of times there's, there's businesses like yours that 
provide a great service, but you're working with the material, you don't get to price that. Yeah. That's not your, you know, you're just factoring a lot of that in. Definitely. You know, the world is changing, you know, look at all these people just killing it in crypto. You know, you've got all these young guys just killing in crypto and, you know, people are just doing very, very well. The world is getting smarter. They're figuring it out. Um, so it goes back to, you know, at this level, you know, if a guy wants to build himself a $5 million house and he's aggressive and he's got half a brain, he's going to figure out how to do it. Good market or bad market. Oh, absolutely. Are we going to have a, a Jamajari home on the metaverse? Will, will you develop some real estate in the metaverse? I'll be honest with you. I've been looking into it. I've been looking to buy some, you know, you know, crypto real estate. I don't have a lot of time in my life to sit there and study, you know, how that all works. I am heavily invested in crypto. Um, there you go. Yeah. How long have you been invested? Um, a couple of years now. I'm a big oh, believer. You're fine. Yeah, You're good. I'm definitely You're a big about- believer. Yeah. You know, look, I just, I, I don't think this is going away. I just think there's too much involved, you know, too much money on the table. And even if they start regulating it, I think by regulating is going to just, you know, justify to the people who do think it's sketchy that, hey, you know what, this is real. You know, now the government's involved. You know, I don't think yeah. they would regulate something that they don't believe in. No, this is too far. The genie's at the bottom. The blockchain's here. This is real stuff. Institutional adaptation. Yeah. You know, I mean, the way I understand it and the way I've, you know, studied it is that we don't even know what crypto is yet. You know, crypto is like the internet before the internet was the internet. You know, we don't know what it's going to power yet. I don't think human beings have you know, come up and, uh, and created the ideas and technology that crypto is even going to be powering yet. So I think, you know, like I said, the world's changing. Are you, are you in the, in the two, ma- not to get into, look, I could talk crypto <laughs> world with you all the time, not to get into too much of your portfolio in that, but are you, are you heavily in the, in the two main ones or do you diversify into all the altcoins and do that whole thing? So I'm 70% in Bitcoin and Ethereum and 30% sprinkled around ones, you know, that Dogecoin. Yeah. You know, one of them hits, you know, I won't have to build as many homes anymore. No, you just live you and your family on the Decentraland's castle that you can build. Exactly. Now the NFTs, I don't get, I'll be honest that I can't understand. I got, listen, my cousin's like, he was like, hey, listen, can you buy this? You should buy this ape. And he's like, you should buy this Lamborghini. And I'm like, all right, well, how much is it? I'm just, I'm buying apes and Lamborghinis and I, I have them. And I'm like, now what? And he's like, no, you got them. I said, I, I know I got them, but now what? Now what? <laughs> I got it. I get that part. Yeah, I don't get that part either. I mean, I, I, I he trades them and you can trade them and that's great. Um, it's a full-time job, you know, you've got to really understand it and really got to be focused in it. But when you hear guys like Gary Vaynerchuk saying, buy NFTs, buy NFTs, like, all right, which ones, what do we do with them? I don't know. Right, right. You can find a unicorn dancing and then, you know, for whatever. Yeah. But I think that, I think that the digital real estate, we're going to talk a lot more about that with people and coming on and stuff like that is really interesting because that is, um, 
this whole thing, it's one of those things where I didn't think anything of it. And then somebody was talking to me about doing developments in Decentraland and Sandbox and really going into it. And I'm listening and I'm like, oh, this is exactly the same. And then they were talking about real estate brokerages in there. And I said, this is exactly the same principles that we're doing. But like, how does this work? Which is, it's just crazy to think like it's the exact same principles, supply and demand, uh, location, location, location. But at, at the same time, you know, instead of a road is a teleporter. Yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, that's $150,000 teleporter. I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, look, this podcast we're having now will definitely in our foreseeable future be holograms. You know, me and you will be sitting in one of these rooms together, you know, looking at holograms of each other. That's for sure. You know, yeah. There'll be a lot of virtual reality and things like that, I believe. Um, and, you know, we can go on about this forever. You know, like crypto gaming, I think, is going to be, it already is huge. You know? Yeah. It was already, there was groups already doing that, you know? Yeah. But the next step is, I mean, whenever it becomes into our world and now we're doing actual real estate contracts on the blockchain, people are going to pay you in in crypto, in coins and stuff like that. I mean, but I think that one thing that they were talking about was that the world might very well become, uh, it was a, was a movie, Ready Player One. Yeah. I think that's what it was, where everybody lived in a very small, these are like small little boxes that people lived in, but they had the opportunity when they went into the VR world to have like their dream world. So although the daily activity in their daily life is very small, in this VR world, they live like, so all the people that did those occupations they did in real life went and did the VR occupations in VR, but they can live this extravagant lifestyle in VR, which is trippy to me because then I don't know how you have a family. Like, how does that whole thing work? But anyway, well, that's <laughs> another conversation. Just to end the crypto conversation, I would accept Bitcoin if somebody wanted to pay me in Bitcoin. So. Well, there, there you go. <laughs> Yeah. John, I really am looking forward to when the weather gets nicer and coming out, looking at some of your new builds and, and stuff that you're working on, your projects, and also your home and touring it. Um, but is there anything else that we didn't cover today that you want to kind of chat about? Um, you know, look, I, I just think that if, if people want to build their own home, I think that they shouldn't go with someone that just says everything they want to hear. You know, I'd, I'd be skeptical about that. Um, they should really do their research. They should really interview a lot of different people. Um, and you got to remember, you got to be, it's a marriage. You got to be married to this person, not only for the you know couple of years it takes to design and build the house, but, you know, even after the house, we, we come with the house. You know, if something happens in three, four years from now, who are you going to call? You're going to call your builder. So I think... Uh, when it comes to this level of home, you really got to know who you're getting into bed with. There's a lot of guys, fly-by-night guys. There's a lot of people, you know, that get into the business for the prestige. They really don't know what they're doing. And, you know, like we, well, like we both said, this is the biggest purchase you're going to make. So you got to be really, really careful who you're working with. And, you know, go with well, a brand name. Now that was going to be my thing is what would separate you. We, we talked so much about your knowledge of the business and what makes you, your ideas that kind of make you different, but not only, I mean, obviously your portfolio speaks for itself, but you being there with your clients and for the life of it and not running out after it, you know, after it's done and really feeling like you come with the house really gives them that feeling like you're not going anywhere. You are there. You're a tried, true, chested person. And 
they should go with you over somebody else. Because at the end of the day, anybody can tell anybody anything. Exactly. But, and, and I really appreciate you coming on. Like I said, it's a, uh, it's a crazy time in the world right now, but we hope we push everything forward and the weather gets better and we can meet up soon. Absolutely. Um, and I think when the weather gets better, we're going to have a few new things to show you because we're always wrapping up houses in the springtime, getting them ready for the summer. So we have a few really cool ones coming up that unfortunately some of our clients do not allow us to, you know, share on social okay. media. Um, but okay. when they are done, we are allowed to, you know, photograph them and videotape them. So we're, we're excited to show the world, you know, few of the things we've been working on the past couple of years. Beautiful. Beautiful. So give everybody, or you have an Instagram handle. Can you give everybody the info? Uh, John Bajari custom homes. So it's in, on Instagram. Um, and you got to check it out cause it's awesome. I love his stuff that he posts there. If you're, if you're a real estate, uh, modern home, uh, nerd like me, you're going to love that stuff for awesome. sure. Thank you so much. And then you have your website. I appreciate it. Well, you have your website too. You have, uh, it's just, um, yeah, please go there everybody and check out his awesome stuff again, John, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. Also. All right, everybody. Uh, thank you. Look forward to doing right. it again. Yes, sir. Michael for our leaders of lifestyle podcast. Take care. Uh, uh, uh.